Well, Brent is gay and Kaylin's gay and Clark is gay and Ryan's gay and Adam's gay. It's Harmon Superior. Issue 216. I'm Kaylin. I'm Clark. I'm Ryan. And I'm Brent Wingate. And this week, it's the end, it's our end of the year best of worst of spooktacular, where we'll go over every single thing comicsy and tell you how we feel. It's basically the central conceit of this entire podcast. Um, as one door closes, a much worse one opens. Hawkeye had its season finale and the book of Boba Fett started. Uh, we've got a bunch of issues. Clark poops all the news that's fit to print. 2022 X-Men previews, business style. And then we have a special post-Christmas plug me daddy, plug my stockings daddy. Uh, let's get into the end of year spectacular. Clark, why don't you take it away? So for the last like 10 years, I've been doing list after list, doing like top five movies, television show, dramas, testing to comedies, comics, blah, 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 blah. Anyway. Pieces of dust. Um, yeah. So this <laughs> year, for example, I had, had 182 television shows I liked, watched, etc. Did not like most of them, except I watched 50 that I did enjoy. So my lists were like good and bad and most for shit. Uh, so we're going to do something slightly like that when we go through stuff listing like our favorite blank or favorite that so let's start off with just there were five disney plus shows that happened this year loki wandavision hawkeye falcon and winter soldier and what if and we're going to do our each one of us is going to rank and then based on that i will decide based on our numbers who won all together so brent go first please tell me your five in the order from one to five uh loki wandavision hawkeye uh Falcon and Winter Soldier, what if? And no, right. it's not just because I read what you wrote. <laughs> that was the exact order on the list. Are you sure you had an opinion? Yeah. Well, that is the almost the opposite of my opinion. So that is not right. All right. Um, so, Ryan. so mine is WandaVision, Hawkeye, Loki, Falcon and Winter Soldier, and what if? Caleb, taking it over to you. Uh, mine's the same as yours, Ryan. It's WandaVision, Hawkeye, uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier, Loki, and what if? All right, you guys talk about all that shit while I fix do this. So this, as far as the selection goes, I think overall I'm quite pleased with how the MCU has handled its first, you know, foray into television. I think each show kind of has some problems, but it's the overall, third foray into television, Brent. Third foray, Agents of Shield. No, and then the Netflix chicks. No. They're non-canonical, but they're still the first. That was stop. still the first and second. Come floor. on, stop it! Let's treat it like this is real. Come on, uh, Loki. I'm the one treating like it's real. I think it's a real first because I mean they weren't responsible for the production of Daredevil and those other shows, and then Agents of Shield. They also weren't really responsible for, right? They're yeah, like the, different. The, well, all those shows were under Ike Pumelter and fucking Joseph Loeb, so they were garbage. Yeah, Loeb. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, um, <clears throat> I think that each one offered a different flavor of something to expect going forward that I'm ultimately looking forward to, even though I think that probably Hawkeye was the only one that really stuck the finale in a way that was satisfying as a TV show. Mm-hmm. What do you guys think? Um, yeah, I would I agree think, with that. I would totally agree with that. Um, I think for me, uh, my favorites went in the way of production value as well. Um, so WandaVision, it, it looked the best for me. 
like visually, and I think it's going to win a lot of awards, or if it already has, congrats. Um, and then, uh, and then Hawkeye, even though being a little bit more like base, like down to earth level, I think it just looked so visually MCU, and it felt the most MCU of the whole bunch. Um, Loki and Falcon and Winter Soldier struggled a little bit for me, just because I didn't think they did much with it. And what if, uh, what if I liked it? I didn't. Um, yeah. Kaylin. So, oh, go. Adam and I um, had the exact same list. Hawkeye, Wanda, Falcon, um, Winter, oh, excuse me, what if? And Loki. Um, excuse me, Loki and what if? So neither one the- of us liked Loki that much. I mean, I hated it all the way through. Maybe the first episode I liked, and then it just went into, as soon as Lady Loki showed up, I was done. Yeah, she sucked. So what's um, the final total? Well, uh, number one is WandaVision with 22 points. Number two, Hawkeye with 20 points. Number three is Loki with 14. Number four is Falcon with 12. And number five is What If with uh, four points. I like that we didn't really have a point system that we established, but. <laughs> it was just the opposite of one to five. It was five to one. Gotcha. Okay, cool. And Sorry, uh, Falcon was 13. So it was just an inch away from Loki. The 14. Jalen, what were you about to say? Don't worry about it. Keep moving. Okay. Um, All right, anyways, now we're off to the same thing with movies. We got Eternals, Shang-Chi, Spider-Man Far From Home, oh, excuse me, No Way Home, and Black Widow. All right, one through four. Um, I, my, once again, Adam and I were identical. Eternals, Spider-Man, Shang-Chi, and Widow. What you think? Spider-Man, uh, st- Eternals, Shang-Chi, Black Widow for me, personally. Yeah, and uh, w- let's make that order a double. <laughs> All right, Kalen, what are you? Uh, I'm mirroring you and Adam Clark. Okay, Eternals, so Eternals, Spider-Man, um, Shang-Chi, and Black Widow. So Eternals Damn, won by job. one point. Spider-Man got one point less. And then Shang-Chi is a straight shoot for third place. And Widow's a straight shoot for fourth place. All right. I think that's yeah. right, mostly. I could easily switch the two, but I'm not. When it comes All to right. these kind of movies and stuff and TV shows... Like there seems to be some shows that resonate with audiences a little bit more, even if they're not necessarily as good, like that they might have more meme ability. Uh, which of these ones do you think going forward, we're going to look back on this year and maybe evaluate like in retrospect, this was actually a lot better or this is going to be more impactful. The only thing that we can take out of Black Widow that's going to be amazing, and obviously we saw Hawkeye, which is true, it's, as Elaine is fucking fin- fantastic. But as a whole, yeah. the movie's garbage, and I think it won't change that fact just because she's a great character within a piece of shit. Jalen? I think, um, ironically, even though Spider-Man No Way Home was great and we all liked it or loved it, I'm more worried about the impact it's going to have with lesser movies. Like, mm-hmm. there's the meme that was on the internet about like how great would it be if we had like uh robert pattinson ben affleck and michael keaton all in the same movie just like you know the three spider-men and it's like (laughs) the reason that no way home worked is because those moments were earned and you're gonna have a lot of comic book movies out there that don't uh that don't you know won't like won't take that extra step to earn those moments it's the Zack snyder effect it's like finding cool moments and then trying to mimic that. And I'm kind of worried about that. 
Well, there was a piece of news a I great point. about where Zod and Thora, whatever the fuck, that were from that horrible Superman movie are supposed to be in Flashpoint. There's a rumor <laughs> they're going to be in it. The Flashpoint yeah, right. is going to be like a terrible version of, of No Way Home. Right. I mean, we joke about like, what was the meme ability of it? But literally the meme is what created Spider-Man No Way Home of the two of the three Spider-Men just pointing at each other. That basically was around before the movie. And then sure enough, it came about. So, yeah, the future is grim in terms of like maybe other industries copying it and maybe even the Sony verse. We'll talk about it later. But like, yeah, um, it's good for the time being. Yeah. Brent. Yeah, I mean, what do you guys worry that, you know, we're not going to, I mean, maybe not worry, but uh, wonder that we won't have real origin story movies anymore because now every superhero movie is going to need to have some other established superhero in it uh, to continue it running. You know? Shang-Chi yeah. Shang was an origin story that didn't have anyone important in it till the last three minutes. Eternals was all new characters. They yeah. didn't exist. They weren't in any of the uh, you know the other ones. And clearly, it was a divisive film. Um, even I mean, I think everybody on this podcast really liked it, but you know, a lot of people just had issues with it. Um, and you know, my hope is that Hollywood, Marvel, you know, all these studios uh, reward and keep thinking about um, you know people of color, women queer individuals to like direct these movies so it's not just you know cishet you know white people like you know directing all these films so i really hope that's like the start of a good trend of of uh of like big blockbuster superhero films now chloe zhao said that eternals the new the original ending was supposed to be them just straight up going into space to a new <laughs> planet and starting anew without them really and, knowing what they were and doing. they were all yeah. mind wiped would, would that have Fucking would straight up men in black. Been more interesting, but also would it have changed how the future of the, the movie would be and also how the it, connectivity would even matter? It couldn't not? have worked. It couldn't yeah. have worked. I mean, I, I like the downbeat ending. I mean, I think, you know, when Infinity War came out, I was impressed that they actually went there, uh, even though it got reversed a year later, but we're still feeling the repercussions. Um, Eternals, while it's a great, you know, standalone movie in some ways, it's still part of the larger tapestry of the MCU. Mm -hmm. And them, like, being mind-wiped and going to, like, the next, you know, planet to do everything they did on Earth just wouldn't fit in with what Kevin Feige has in mind for um, all these phases. Yeah, she said it, too. She was like, it has to end somewhat uh, happy and looking towards the MCU future. Okay, in a year of unexpectedly good television during a global pandemic, please give me your favorite TV comedy and TV drama of 2021. And I wrote a little droplet about why. I don't know what that means, but go ahead. Well, drip us on it or whatever you do with the droplet. um, (laughs) Mine, and I don't uh, mind the comedies, the other two, HBO uh, HBO (gasps) Max. It's Comedy Central that then turned it, and it's fucking fantastic. You took mine. It it, it always takes like a place where you're like, oh, this is going to be cringe comedy, and suddenly immediately takes it to an insane (laughs) like right turn where you're like, this is fucking nuts, and I loved it. Um, My TV show, uh, drama is a bit off kilter. It's a show called Young Royals on Netflix which is about like some, as it says, young royals going to an academy, like a school um, in, I don't remember whether it was Sweden or Denmark, Denmark, I think. And it is fantastically well done where like, I hate most teen dramas, blah, blah, blah. But this one's really good. There's queer content that actually like matters and feels like something. It's really well done. Uh, Caitlin, you had your hand up. What's yours? 
Uh, best comedy is Insecure. It just finished its fifth and final season. Um, I think Issa Rae has created a wonderful, timely, uh, mostly black uh, uh, centric uh, dramedy sitcom. Um, and even though there's some, I had some misgivings about this last season of like certain things that they did. It all came together really nicely. And like the finale, I was laughing, I was crying. It was absolutely great. It is so good. And best drama, and this is going to be on like virtually everybody's top list, but I, I got to give it up to succession. Um, it's, it is such, <laughs> you cliche. it's like, I'm a goddamn, I'm a fucking water cooler talking, you know, Buzzfeed listicle, you know, urbanite that doesn't want to like the show, but I fucking love this show. It's just, it, it is Shakespearean in the best way. Um, they raise the stakes so well. And, you know, they outdid the season two finale in season three, which I didn't think was possible. So well done. It's so good. Right. I would say, I was going to say the other two for my favorite comedy because it is phenomenal. It's probably my favorite TV show on right now. Um, uh, but if I have to pivot, um, not a lot of sketch comedy shows actually get any acclaim anymore. So I would not like to say SNL. I would like to say, um, I think you should leave yes. uh, season two. Um, I think it's phenomenal. It's, it, it's great sketch comedy, like going back many years, but updating it for today. I really enjoyed it a lot. Check it out on Netflix. And then for drama, this is going to be an unconventional answer and I don't care. The Real Housewives of Salt Lake City are going through a lot of drama. <laughs> and let me just yes. say, for, okay, just as a tease, I know if you don't watch it, there's only two seasons. We're on the second one right now. It's easy to get into. We're both going through a scandal of someone potentially going to jail for uh, frauding uh, a lot of Eld elderly, elderly defrauding elderly a lot of elderly people. people and stealing a shit ton of money from him. Allegedly. I don't want her coming after me on Twitter. No, no, um, no. And then also... Uh, we also have a potential woman that is running a church that is a potential cult as well. And then a bunch of hilarity ensues as well. So that we're, got, we're talking dark comedy here, but it's I, a really, truly an amazing show. Um, I do have so, to yeah. say that I lo lost the way with Real Housewives like five years ago. And this mm -hmm. fucking show brought me back. It is outrageous. <laughs> it is psychotic. Well, there you go. And now I watch that like ultimate girls vacation and now I'm watching Miami and I'm like, and they broke the no. fourth wall. Yeah. There's a lot of good Bravo verse out there. There's not only one good universe, you know, Brent, take us home. Well, okay. So my drama might have been succession, but uh, <laughs> I, I guess I'd probably have to pick hacks because every TV show now is going to be a mix of comedy and drama and it's inescapable. Um, if I had to pick an alternate for that, I might have picked, um, I think Made for Love came out this year, um, which is was not a very highly reviewed. Oh, is that Chris Malati, whatever her name is? I can't remember her name, but. It's the mother um, from How I Met Your Mother, but now then she died. So she was very funny in it, and it has a lot of very dark, reflective uh, tones. It's a very good show. As for comedy, I think season three of What We Do in the Shadows really just did a great job of protect of uh, continuing these characters developing for them further in a time when fucking you know, uh, in a time when vampires are done as a story this is still funny and interesting and it's really really uh, great all right so adam had alternates just in case everyone said succession um he said hacks he also said the other two and then Succession, as I said, and then Arcane, which is a show on Netflix that he quite liked. 
That's, that was very oh, fun. Yeah, that's yeah. an animated show on Netflix, which yes. is really good. All right, I've uh, got a few more things. All right. And then I said, in this area of movie going non functionality, do you have any worthwhile number one movie? Kaylin. The French Dispatch, which is Wes Anderson's latest movie. It's incredibly twee, as you would expect. At times, it plays like an SNL parody of a Wes Anderson movie, but goddamn, is it stylish. And goddamn, did I not feel some emotion in those three interweaving storylines? Um, I'm just a sucker for Wes Anderson. I'm going to love his movies regardless of what he does. Uh, mine was a uh, swan song. There are two different swan songs out, but this one is Udo Kier playing like a 75 year old hairdresser who's in an old folks home. And the woman who basically screwed his life up uh, played by Crystal Carrington from dynasty. She dies and she wants for her last will to like have him do her hair. So he has to like escape the <laughs> hospital and it is fucking amazingly strange and beautiful. And obviously he's gay and it's fantastic. But that, you I think, to- you have to download that, you know, $3.99, download from somewhere. I don't fucking know how much it costs, but it's cheap. If you want Do a movie it. to laugh at, at how bad it is, and you wonder why you still have Disney Plus just for, like, one show, um, watch Jungle Cruise really high. That'll really get your <laughs> goat going. Um, that's pretty fun. Rock is still playing the same character. It's a magical boat, but it's not. It's pretty fun. You've right. seen the meme of, like, uh, of The Rock with, like, it's like all the same image, but it's from four different movies. I know. Like, he's like, always he's in like a forest. Tacky. Yeah, <laughs> in the jungle somewhere. Yeah. Well, we had, uh, you know, the really great showstopper of uh, Dune, which as a visual spectacle was just really nice to see in theaters, even if you don't love uh, the story so much. But the sound. Uh, I, Ugh. I think that uh, I'm supposed to like the power of the dog, but I'm not sure why. Uh, so my <laughs> my my pick is uh, the Green Knight. It is a great oh, story yeah. of rebuilding a mythology or recreating mm-hmm. a new mythology that's not that's based off of some other stories, but isn't. It's kind of cobbled together, and it's a new thing on its own. Uh, very enjoyable. Very a twenty four as far as look yeah. and emotionality and its brooding nature. Um, but I very much liked it. I watched it uh, thinking you know what? I don't really want to watch a Christmas movie right now. And then I put it on and it's 100% another Christmas movie. So uh, you'll have to deal with that. Mm. All right. Um, Adams was malignant. Um, HBO max slash whatever the fuck Warner brothers horror movie thing. Uh, Nobody picked, nobody picked Zack Snyder's justice league. We're a comic book (laughs) podcast. What the fuck? All right, yeah. well, then, anyways, uh, let's go to, um, as we do X-Men <laughs> shit, uh, what was your favorite X-Men series and your mutant MVP of the year? Kalen. Um, I think everyone's probably going to say Hellions, so I'm going to go a little bit askew, and I'll say Sword. Not and really Not askew in the sense, you like... You said that every single time you've ever done Sword, period, for the last year. <laughs> probably. Yeah. Kaylin, uh, we all yeah. like sword. I know, I know, I know. And like, I mean, uh, Clark and I had this conversation off podcast where um, I think conceptually sword is my favorite, but it got mired into too many crossovers, including the Annihilation stuff. But I still love it. I, conceptually, I love it. We'll talk about the last issue later on the podcast and how I think it really kind of comes together. And a lot of the stuff that was planted in the first issue is there. So sword's my favorite. And, um, and Mutant MVP... 
Uh, I think it's got to be it's got to be Emma. I mean, I, it's hard for me not to say Emma Frost. Um, Why? Specifically, how she's just portrayed in every comic she's in, in both Marauders and uh, Marauders in the Hellfire Gala, uh, and then specifically in Inferno, where she is given the information about you know the lives of Moira from Charles and Magneto. She, and then she decides to play her own game with them and with Mystique, and, and she's it's like, true to her character. Yeah. And she's great. It's great. I just love her. Uh, Ryan. Well, I'll say my real favorite answer then, Kayla, because you're afraid <laughs> to hold back. Um, uh, <laughs> I, <laughs> I love how, obviously, Hellions is my favorite series. It's been since uh, this new rebrand has happened. Um, and then I think MVP. He's just such a power player now as uh, Sinister. He's amazing. He's, he's gay culture. He's all of us. Uh, you see a little bit of him in us. He's been a little bit in you. Like, um, he's just amazing. So, yeah. It's a little obvious, but whatever. We're a gay podcast. Let's lean into it. I think I might pick X-Men as my favorite. Um, it's probably, it's, it's only real sin in my mind is that it's not coming out more frequently. But when I see the book is available... I'm genuinely excited to read it. I'm not worried at all about it being dog shit. At the worst, we've gotten an okay story about some fucking weirdo who's trying to enter people's dreams. But even then, I still liked it. Um, And for my MVP character, it has to be Colossus. Because as a person who hasn't done a goddamn thing, he is still somehow so important for the story. He's irrelevant. And he killed his girlfriend and he's done nothing that matters. Why is he still here? Just leave him alone. Let him be on the farm. But no, he's sticking around. He's coming back in 2022. As far as number of pages or panels relative to importance, it's disproportionate. His stupid purple, purple girlfriend that no one remembers her name. And that's before she died. She ever had a name. Did she ever have a name? Probably. It was was Um, Eleanor. It was yeah. called Plot Device. Plot Device was her name. <laughs> all right. Mine, um, we've already gone through. Hellions is just fantastic. I loved all the characters. And my MVP is Nanny from Hellions, who's yeah. a fucking nut. She was awesome. She, like, you know, turned it around in the last possible moment and went down to hell with Orphan Maker. Uh, I just, the, the when she just fucking smacked down Sinister with, like, her fucking glass of wine or whatever and broke a bottle and was ready to just fucking tear people apart fantastic human um mutant but uh, kaylin can i guess adams yeah you can do it you, you're gonna get the right answer okay yeah it's hellions and storm yeah wow yeah. what a basic wow. ass god damn <laughs> yeah. so disappointing you know should we just replace him with like a soundboard of repetitive quotes the soundboard's too charming brent yeah. All right. Okay. Any final entertainment bits that you had? Any music, video games, books, or other comics, Brent? The one I want uh, to talk about just a little bit is the stuff that got really popular, and I can't for the life of me figure out why the fuck it was so popular. Mm-hmm. Uh, starting with Midnight Mass. Uh, yeah. I don't get why people loved it so much. <gasps> I understand the reasons on paper why to like Bridgerton, but I just don't understand it. And then the overhype for Squid Game all seemed gratuitous. Like I support yeah, maybe, everything maybe, you said. Maybe even these things are okay, but I think we might like this a little bit too much and we may, might be encouraging the wrong things from production. Okay, I think it's just that we 
care about things enough that we know better things than all those things. I, I, I agree with Squid, Squid Game specifically. Um, I think a lot of people haven't consumed that kind of genre. Like even, even like Hunger Games is like a very like tedified young adult version of that. But like Battle, Battle Royale, Royale, Avengers Arena, um, you know, Alice in Borderland, you know, like all that stuff is much more like it's a better version of it. And this was almost like a very sanitized, like um, sanitized, not the right word, but like uh, easily consumable, I think for mass audiences. And so you had a lot of people who hadn't really experienced that kind of, of uh, storyline before being really wowed. And it's like, well, we've seen it and like we consume way too much Clark, probably the most of us. Uh, and so um, that's the reason why I think we were like kind of over the hype. Ryan. Um, I'm glad us as a society did not like red, red notice. Only take uh, away from the year. Yeah. Only take away from no. the year. Good. We did good this yeah. year. So we're, we're getting good better, but it, it, it has annoyed me what we've enjoyed. I think Tiger <clears throat> King tried to come back and we said, no, no. I don't want that. So I, I, I'm at least uh, happy that during this pandemic, we've learned from some of our nonsense snuff. I was reading a viewership numbers yesterday and number one most viewed movie on Netflix has was Red Notice and number two is Bird Box for like opening week of opening month of uh, the thing so it is was well watched at the very least Brent I thought a lot of people got mad at it but uh, I will add Ryan I know we're in the middle of a, a pandemic Mm-hmm. So maybe it's not fair uh, as a count, but I feel like this year we as a society did okay on saying no to Mariah Carey. We're not playing All I Want for Christmas is You all of the goddamn time. We showed restraint. We held back slightly. We did it once a couple of times, but we mm-hmm. chilled the fuck out. Do you think yeah. it's her partnership with McDonald's? Do you think mm-hmm. it, was that, it was that? If anything, yeah. that put her over in my book. <laughs> Kaylin. I completely agree with that because um, I started getting back into DJing uh, at the latter half of 2021 and I DJed right before Christmas and I told the bar manager, like, I'm not playing this song. I'm not doing it. I don't care if somebody requests it. And he's like, I don't think anyone's really playing. And I didn't hear it that much until Christmas Day. Went to a family friend's house and, and like, she was I there to, and she was and there. it was mariah carey <laughs> singing over and over again and she's like please give me attention before I, I have to go back to the sea for another year money please money please <laughs> basically right, yeah speaking, speaking of mcdonald's brent what's going on with mctv <laughs> oh mctv it's our weekly uh fast food segment where we talk about all the latest and greatest of food items that are coming out in locations like Burger King, McDonald's, and KFC. Okay, uh, let's talk about MCU TV. Uh, we talk about the TV shows. It's pretty self-explanatory. That's why we came up with the title. Uh, so normally we would do a full extra issue on Hawkeye, but we didn't really have the time and frankly didn't feel like it. So we're just going to talk about the finale and kind of the whole show uh, right here, right now. Uh, Clint and Kate uh, have to get to Kingpin for some reason and try and help Kate's, Kate's mother at the Christmas party. The party gets attacked and a lot of people fight. Clint and Kate knock down the Rockefeller Center Christmas tree and then use a bunch of trick errors to possibly murder a bunch of stupid goons. 
uh, Clint and Yelena fight, but Clint knows how to whistle, so Yelena forgives him. Kingpin tries to murder Eleanor Bishop, but gets hit by a car, arrow, and grenade. So obviously, he's perfectly fine to run away and then definitely not be killed off screen by Echo. Kate has her mother arrested. All right. How did you guys... <laughs> Good final sentence. <laughs> how did you guys feel this worked as a finale and uh, the full arc of the show? Uh, Kaylin, you want to start? Oh, let's go to Clark first. Okay. Uh, I do want to say, just because we don't have any question anywhere, that um, I was very happy with the um, Jack slash Jacques reveal of Swordsman just like wanting to fucking fight and have fun. He was like not involved in anything, didn't care. He just wanted to have a good time killing people. And I was I was 100% of that. Um, just as a whole, I mean, this fan finale was great. Just connecting so many stories and connecting them in valid ways or it wasn't, that didn't feel forced in any way. Even when uh, Hawkeye and Yelena were having like, well, you know, Clint and, and were having their like fight on the ice. It didn't feel like the conversation was so long. They were like, just fucking tell her. Yeah. I mean, it felt, I don't know. I was pleased with it. I like when people get turned into tiny things and then owls steal them. <laughs> all in all, I think it was great. Kaylin. This was the um, rare MCU show this year that got better as it went along um, because it stuck the landing for the most part uh, to Clark's point. Um, the inclusion of Yelena, my God, what like, like a breath of fresh air. Like, she's just so great. I can't wait to see more of her uh, in the MCU. Uh, it made me like um, Jeremy Renner, you know, like the least liked Avenger. Uh, his kind of, I'm too old for this shit, you know, uh, Murtaugh kind of like, uh, um, you know, facade worked for me. I, I, I will say I was happy to see Kingpin, Vincent D'Onofrio's Kingpin. I'm glad he's going to be in this. Clearly, you know, he was shot, but it was off screen. So, of course, he survived. He's going to come back in Echo and other places. Um, I felt like his inclusion was a little too tacked on. It's a minor complaint. It's a minor, minor complaint for a show that I ended up enjoying a lot more than I thought I would. Uh, I wish like he had maybe been introduced a little bit earlier. I don't know if they could have, that could work for the narrative. It just felt very, um, look at this cameo in the last episode of, uh, of this series. Yeah, yeah I like would... that inclusion um just because i like seeing him but the amount of abuse he was taking and not really seeming to be affected at all by it i know that in the comics he can take a beating and we've seen him fight daredevil before it just seems like you know we should just assume at this point he's like a superhero or he has he has some special powers that are beyond a normal human being because that's fucking insane i i almost took this as the entryway for them to introduce like mutant growth hormone or maybe even he had some of the captain america like serum or something like that because that was a lot of that was a lot of trick he ripped he ripped a car door off of its hinges <laughs> yeah just insane fast like it was uh, a tissue it i liked it though i like that he fought kate bishop too and she actually took him on where daredevil <laughs> has been trying to do that for so many years. yeah <laughs> that was kind of funny um, I think that there's a lot in as far as the interactions between Yelena and Kate that are very strong. Um, at first, you know, Kate kind of felt like a bland character, but I think she's got her own humor and wit that uh, really works and is different from uh, Yelena's more dry style uh, that I think 
maybe might have been dominated a little bit too much by Robert Downey Jr. in the first group of Avengers. Caleb? Can we talk about the real MVP, though, of this episode? That fucking owl. The I owl. Did. I did. And I was totally, totally sold on that owl. I love that owl. Just, like, swooping in and taking the little miniaturized truck. So good. It's, well, this was a great way of dealing with, like, a trick arrows. Because you don't want to have those being used all the time everywhere because you're like, well, why don't you make a million of those? For them to kind of do it as a final assault made it seem a little bit more justified, but gave us enough of the enjoyment of, yeah, now it's a sticky uh, solution. It's a gas. Yeah, but, but killed a lot of people, though, too. Oh, they're dead. Oh, they are so dead. dead. And do you know how mad people would be in New York if that tree was knocked down? Oh, and they're like, shit, yeah. because of a gang fight, we lose our Christmas tree. Oh, hell fucking no. Okay, the only thing I, I, I love this series and it only got better as uh, going along, like Caitlin said. The only thing I could have done out without is those fucking cosplaying, fucking role-playing. I don't give yeah. a fuck about them. What the fuck are we doing here? Is this trying to appeal to like, like just MCU huge fans that like to dress up? Because I'm one of those bitches and I don't want to be in the movie. You know what I mean? Fuck off. I mean, I honestly think, and I think validly so, that based on the characters they used, it was very white. Yeah. And they needed some minority minority characters. And I mean, I was, I, I liked that they were there. They were weak characters, but I mean, we needed some someone that's not just some white person besides Echo, of course. Yeah. Taylor? I was just going to say, I kind of enjoyed them more than I thought I would. Oh, really? I was like, which oh, which what was the name of your favorite character? Uh, uh, Larpy Larper. Griff? <laughs> okay, you win. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, no, I kind of enjoyed, like, that they're, that they're, you know, we get to see fanboys and fangirls in this universe. And even then, like, they're, like, still kind of iffy about Hawkeye. And look, they gave them the new costumes. They actually served a purpose. They were integral to the plot. They served a purpose. Uh, for multiple different reasons. They act as a set of eyes and ears. Uh, they're able to help, you know, escort people out. Uh, I think that's all right. fine and good. I don't, I don't know why they brought their LARPing costumes with them while they're evacuating a very dangerous area to take the 15 to 30 minutes it needs to put on leather outfits. If they had just run in and like grabbed... Uh, you know, trays or something and fashion them into shields or used what they had oh, literally yeah. right in the room. That would have been better. I yeah. probably would have been less annoyed than if I knew it takes like an hour to get ready to wear those fucking costumes. I feel like if we didn't have um, swordsmen, I would have been fine with them, but we had a character much more interesting doing much more interesting things against those people than just, I'm going to knock you down. Yeah. If swordsman was there directing them and just slashing people up, and then giving them orders, that would have been great. Be oh, yeah, that's that. a good idea, actually, yeah. So I have a question. So this is obviously taking place during Christmas because they kept reminding us over and over and over again. <laughs> um, and we just saw Spider-Man No Way Home. Uh, plug, listen to our review of it. Uh, that was also at the very end taking place like around wintertime. Is this all happening concurrently? Well, he swings around the same fucking tree at the very end. Which is like so. Oh yeah. So so Spider Man, his story happens right before Hawkeye. In theory, that's right. right? The, the rock, the Rockefeller Center tree, right? Yeah. So yeah. Right. Right. Also, your holiday party is there. Fuck, man, you got some money. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. But I thought this was like two years after. That no, this is all. 
Well, so it's, it's all not- taking place in 2023. It's five years after the events of Infinity War. They were talking uh, so- about, remember, like episode two or three when they were talking about the, the new Statue of Liberty? Yeah, right. And so we knew they were happening at but the same time almost because of that. Yeah, I guess maybe they, maybe they were he, uh, Spider-Man just uh, swung right over and then dodged all the Kingpin issues in that huge gang fight and just continued through uh, downtown yeah. New York. <laughs> were we, did we just kind of not pay attention to any sort of clue or not clue that Linda Carnellini was going to be Mockingbird slash their version of? It was so obvious. I didn't, I didn't yeah. even think about it. <laughs> I feel oh, like I should have. I really should have. But when I, she was helping out with things... And she's like, hold on, let me call my contacts. Yeah. I was like, what? Is, what? Is, well, like, what is this, your PTA? Like, wh- yeah. I, I was confused at first, and then it made sense. But for some reason, I just, I, I totally get it after I saw it. I was like, why didn't we connect the dots fucking two weeks earlier when she said that? Uh, Kaylin. So uh, we have a friend who uh, has been watching Hawkeye and is a huge fan of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., and as soon as that reveal happened, he's like, well, I guess Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is non-canonical now. I'm just so angry. It's like, well, yeah, of course it's you are. It's 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 yes, it's it is. Real. It's yeah. Did did you guys like the thread on that? So it's like, let's. We got to get this uh, suit. We got to get the sword. But there's also this watch that's floating around. There's other Avengers stuff, and that was only just to tie it back to her. And basically, him go, bitch, make sure you keep track of all your fucking watches. Like he did say that. There was no bitch. Yeah, it's other than- time for you to be more organized. Yeah. Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> when when he handed her the watch, she goes, "Oh, watchy, my favorite watch." I completely forgot. It's a nice watch. It's a nice Mrs. Watch. Minutes is rolling over in her grave for her should have been cameo. <laughs> I, I like I like how you got Miss Minutes married. <laughs> you didn't hear Mrs. Oh. Minutes. Oh, you weren't invited. I'm so sorry. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> That's also some one. of the. Salt Lake City Real Housewives drama. Uh, <laughs> uh, so in the end credits, uh, we got a full song, the full song for the musical Rogers. Uh, what did you guys think? Really awkward. Yes. See, I feel like for the first minute and a half of it, I was annoyed. And the more it kept going, the more I got into it. <laughs> yeah. It's really long. I like the full narrative they brought out of it, which was funny. And I like someone someone i think we talked about it posted the fact that the reason they have ant-man in there is because during the whole um in game when like they're flashing back he, he goes back in time they do know that he is there i do That's like cute. that fact that you would forget that if you did, just didn't think about it it's i very know nice you shouldn't it when you're at a christmas party with your family don't put it on don't just slap it on the old radio because they don't they won't respond to it really well they'll be like, you randomly put that song on just for your family yeah and i yeah. couldn't find it on spotify wait so you and then ryan's like wait wait if you don't like that playing. one ryan's like if you don't like that one uh it's been agatha all along. <laughs> going through i thought you were gonna say all i want for christmas is you yeah yeah the agents of shield intro didn't work no, they didn't like anything really tough christmas um all right let's move on to the book of boba fett so we had the Book of Boba Fett that came out this week. Uh, we finally find out after many, many years what happens to Boba Fett in the Sarlacc pad. Turns out he just blasts his way out and then climbs out. It was really easy. Um, easy. 
It was fucking easy. Um, so he passes out. Some sand people show up. They kind of fuck him up a little bit, and then they take him back to his camp. We flash forward to uh, current day where he is in a back-to-tank, um, recovering from his wounds from many, many fights. Um, and he's partnered up with Fennec to reclaim Moss Isla from Jabba. Um, we meet some new friends and some new potential enemies um, through his gift-giving, which is a weird ceremony. Um, we, and we basically, we, uh, more fights ensue. And then we end this episode with him going back in the back to tank, um, and then going back to the Tuscan Raiders, Tuscan Raiders, uh, <laughs> fight. Uh, yeah. And so it, at the very end, we actually find out that he has partnered with him, which makes sense because we've seen his fighting style going forward in, um, the most recent series. Um, so yeah. So what did you guys think? Well, Initial first thoughts. I want to know, have you ever seen Star Wars before? Because I think mm-hmm. it's a Sarlacc pit, not a Sarlacc pat. And I think it's Mos no, no, Eisley. No, 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 no. Not but the Mos way Isla, was... like they're making no, scotch no. there. Well, Girl. no, Mos, Mos Eisley was the, is the name of the bar, town. yes? And the town. Mos, it's, it's the, the whole town. town. Something else. It's the whole town, bitch. It's the whole town. Okay, yeah. and it's the Sarlacc pat because basically he just let him right on out. He just yeah. gave him a pat on the back and get out of here. It's like the Prue, like, the Prue pat from Great British Bake Off. Yeah, what blown at, uh, no. ass like Sarlacc pit no, was that no, so easy to get out of? No, the town they're in is called Mos Espa. No. I'm looking at every Why single... Why don't we talk about it offline? Next. Kayla. Hey, I, I, uh, I'm, I'm, you're wrong. <laughs> I, just, I just love that Patton Oswalt's character from Parks and Rec when he did the filibuster was right because he talks about the oh, yeah. love of Boba Fett coming out of the Sarlacc pit and that's starting like the crazy fucking saga of Star Wars meets the MCU and Disney owns them all, so why not? Um, I, I was pretty underwhelmed with this episode and it was kind of, it's kind of what I was a little worried about with this series. I was actually worried about with The Mandalorian and I've said before on podcasts, the reason Mandalorian works is because it has a lot of heart. It's the relationship between Mando and uh, I always say it wrong, but it's Grogu, Grogu, right? Uh, uh, Baby Yoda. And like that, like just that kind of like that archetype of Lone Wolf and Cub, Hawk and Chick, all that stuff works really well. Like Boba Fett is a cool visual and he's a cool cameo queen, but I don't think he can drive his own show. And there was nothing in there yet in this first episode that said made me want to come back next week except for the fact that i love star wars i'm going to keep watching it i I mentioned it the the action scenes the fight scenes are so slow and i said lethargic as shit there's no kinetic anything to it it's just like oh now i have to kick i'm jumping but not really jumping he has his fucking suit on and they've got those like weird red barriers. He could just turn his suit on and fly over, but they don't explain why he doesn't do it. He just fucking doesn't do it. None of it made sense. Yeah. That was absolutely atrocious. Uh, how close they were standing, how they're all using tasers, but apparently the tasers don't actually electrocute people or set off any of the huge amount of electronics that are in their fucking equipment. It looked slow, and then he had that one swing down where he hit a guy, and his jowls were shaking, and it just looked awful. But right before that was, I think, the stupidest moment, uh, which is where they go into this casino-type thing, and 
this guy and this guy and girl twilight show up and they're like give us your helmets we'll polish them for you and they're like cool sounds great then they talk to the owner of the casino and she's like i've never heard of you guys in my fucking life and but anyways you guys are welcome here then immediately after they bring back buckets of gold Mm -hmm. it's the worst run casino i've ever heard of they don't know who the guy is they don't know what production he offers and within five minutes they've given him a a fucking treasure chest i don't care jennifer beals is very welcoming yeah yeah (laughs) just in general yeah yeah she was the one who provided that gold uh-huh. uh kayla uh kayla and then ryan um it's still better than the fucking casino on canto bite uh as uh-huh. Ian is, like for as that one and the other thing is like so are, is this show just going to take place on tatooine yeah yeah i would guess yeah i'm already i'm already kind of bored with that like yeah. what's great about i i it's hard for me not to compare it to the mandalorian because this is a spinoff um is at least you have a lot of different settings uh you know we only have four desert planets in uh in mandalorian uh but we also have other terrains we've got you know forest cities all that kind of stuff um but like just seeing fucking sand everywhere i hate sand i hate it gets everywhere i hate it well right um okay so yes the the action sequence the sequences are atrocious just keep his goddamn helmet on and he doesn't have to fight and then an experienced fighter can do those scenes we don't need to see him with his helmet off. He never did it in the original trilogy. We don't care. His bucket, need- was, his head, his helmet was full of money. I don't even want to see him in the goddamn back to tank. I don't want to picture him bathing. Like, okay, who cares? With that said, there's some good stuff that's ba- Max Rebo. So that casino is doing yeah. well because they got that blue fucking elephant back from the original so we trilogy. Didn't know whether he was dead enough because the ship, the whatever the fuck the name of Jabba's ship blew up with him on it. Well, he looks great. He's not That's dead. All I'm saying. Um, uh, also, we have uh, some Twi'leks that are um, boy sluts because we've yeah, always I, seen I, the girl I... sluts over the year, but we saw some really ripped Twi'lek, which was green and he was hot. Um, so yeah. I like that we're expanding our Star Wars universe that way a little bit. And then also we have two Gamorrean guards that are <laughs> dumb as hell, but you know you're going <laughs> to love at the end because they're always going to come in and help. And dumb as hell thick. or dummy thick because oh, those those both yes. those pigs were chonking yeah you're gonna like them i'm gonna oh. call it now you're gonna really like the way they look <laughs> i like the um the mayor's like counselor guy that shows up his emissary or whatever that appears and oh, just yeah. kind of like yeah. not glib, you know but he's you queer just... i mean come on that's I... uh I think that's uh, um, Selena Meyer's yeah. ex-husband Andrew. <laughs> so he he is also he was also on Strangers with Candy the entire run, and he was on Amy Sedaris's most recent show as like so good. The, the knife guy. Yeah, and so that's how I connected him. I, was I know, like, me too. <laughs> are they just raiding Amy Sedaris's like cast now? Well, I'm waiting for Cola Scola. Then is my only. Yeah. Oh fuck yeah, that would be great. <laughs> Any last thoughts? No. Get no. better. All right, <laughs> let's move on to the issues. Uh, we've got uh, the issues, our weekly recap of all things X, along with a few of our favorite Marvel house writers and characters. Uh, this week, we've got Timeless number one, Sword number 11, Wolverine 19, Trial Magneto number five, Black Panther number five, and Iceman's New Year's Resolution. Let's start with the Trial of Magneto, which has ended in an uncharacteristic bang. 
after find out quote unquote toad was the murderer <laughs> it's revealed that this was a ploy by magneto and wanda to restore her as a mutant and use her magic to create a pocket dimension elysian fields which can allow mutants who weren't backed up by cerebro to return first up is the long lost uh, john proudstar what did you guys think of this addition to the story and you know its implications for Krakoa? Uh, Clark. So the reason when I wrote the names of the people involved or Leah Williams comma editorial for writing is that the last 15 pages is literally just how we're going to build up stuff for the future. It's literally just, it was editorial being like, yeah. oh, we would be proud star in. So we're going to have you write that in and we're going to probably write half of it in. And it, it just felt like it wasn't her writing anymore at all which I was fine with because I don't want to read her writing. Um, and I did the Toad was the murderer thing. I totally get just because Toad has been, was in love with Wanda for the first decade of their existence, which makes sense. But also it just feels sad as fuck. Oh, poor, poor little idiot. Um, uh, Kaylin. Yeah. I, I, none of us we 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 had our own like culprits uh that we talked about on podcasts nobody nobody gets towed i don't think anybody <laughs> man, anywhere yeah nobody gets towed uh but yeah i agree with uh clark that like clearly this was supposed to be a an x-factor storyline that got built up uh, uh and called the trial of magneto even though he was never on trial and they just say hey, it's this trial and tribulation somewhere in the issue uh, which is like, okay, I guess you've got to like try to make this more literal now. Um, and it just was like, it was five issues of nonsense to get to a resolution that I was actually okay with. I like the idea that they've created a way for like all these mutants to be resurrected. It's a great, uh, you know, new status quo for, um, you know, Destiny of X, which is going to happen next year. And it answers the question of like why John Prodstar wasn't resurrected before. We talked about that here on podcast as well. And the fact that he's back, it's like, it's like when they brought Bucky back, you know, in the 2000s, like a character that they had been dead for decades, you know, or Jason Todd on the DC universe. Um, it's like, there is a way to actually make this super interesting out of a character that I never felt was super interesting. He was just there as a plot device, just to show that the stakes were super high in the, uh, the beginning of the Claremont era of the X-Men. Brian? Uh, at first, I enjoyed the ending, and then the more I thought of it, it kind of annoyed me because it, this is a world and an island that is already overpopulated, and we're like, we're going to bring back every mutant ever, 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 which is like, so like what? We're going to have like mutants during Jesus's time just be like, oh, yeah, I know Jesus, just like walking around with like pixie. It's going to be wild, but I want to see these crazy mutants from the past like way far in the past. Cause I think that would bring kind of a cool element to it. But with that said, Oh, it's a real too many cooks right now. We, we were already a little bit too much. I think this is kind of blowing it up even more, <laughs> but um, I'll wait and see. Cause it, it does allude to some great stories in the past or, or in the future. I should I, say. I forgot. Is Leah Williams still doing things in what? She her, like, let's not... find let's find her and stop her <laughs> so she's very, very aggressive she's not slated to be writing any of the destiny of x books from what i can tell um I, I wouldn't be surprised if he writes something around wanda um you know they, I, I, they're supposedly going to be a wanda series or something there was a yeah 
And it would it would make sense. Like, I mean, she's an incredibly popular character, not only in the six one six, but also in the MCU. Um, and she's going to be basically the co-star of, uh, or maybe even the villain of Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Badness. So Marvel mm-hmm. should capitalize on that. And you know, if Leah was going to write Wanda, that's fine. I can I can ignore it. I don't need to read it. So another moment that I thought was kind of interesting, but didn't fully appreciate. Uh, North Star and Flat Scan are getting a kid. Um, <laughs> oh, was this yeah. was this moment exciting? Was it so, something that was important? No. So this it's kid, this, this kid is. I think their name is Judith. So when North Star came out in issue of whatever the fuck in 1990, whatever, um, he came out because he found this baby with AIDS in the dumpster and then brought it into the hospital. This is awful and dark. Brought into the hospital and she died. And so then he got a whole thing and then there was a stuff and then he came out. And so now that he's getting this arrest, no, in this one, they're like, oh, by the way, she was a mutant. <laughs> Let's have her. Um, um, was a little strange. And also I want to know, not that it matters and it'll be kind of interesting if it wasn't the case, um, whether this, they, they resurrected her pre or post getting AIDS. Like, are they going to have a baby with HIV? We'll let Would you do those follow-ups and yeah. with us with no right? commentary. And, uh, and, and most like, no, and this baby was probably born with it. And therefore will they deal with this or will they just kind of wipe that aside? Even though that's, well, basically the only function that character had as a, when it was in the issue. I kind of would like that the baby to still i don't know was it hiv positive or did the baby have aids i couldn't I, remember from that i don't know i mean it, it did the baby died of it so i i don't know and it yeah. was it's 1991 or 1992 which at yeah. that point was still kind of a death sentence if you uh if hiv turned into aids so let's say it was aids but like now yeah. you know uh, maybe the baby is undetectable uh and maybe it's just you know on you know a certain cocktail to help help um i don't even know what the baby's gender is let's just use they uh they well it's it's a girl judith i think judith i think you said judith for a second i was like wow we're really getting biblical quite a name yeah (laughs) yeah uh god i was like you're really like just charting that destiny for that child uh but maybe they'll deal with it that way i i thought it was an all right moment like i didn't mind it like it's a it's a good moment it's a it's a good it's a fine enough callback to like a very weird but historical footnote in Marvel's queer history. Like like bringing that back, I think I was okay with it. It does uh, bring up a broader question of like, hey, if these mutants who died in the Elysian Fields die at uh, under unfor- unfortunate circumstances, like they're a baby or they have dementia. Do they have the same faculties or, you know, undeveloped faculties to say, I want to be alive again? It's very weird. But I didn't make this system, so let's just move on then. (laughs) Yeah. All right, let's move on to story number 11, written by Al Ewing and uh, illustrations by Jacopo Cagmani. I'm sorry, I can't pronounce that right. Kamani. Kamani. So a lot happens in this issue, but basically... The crashing of the sword station is stopped by Manifold, who is able to make a big, big ask of space for it. Uh, Cable's techno-organic virus gets a little out of control and begins to more, integra- more aggressively interact with the ship. 
WizKid reveals that he's a triple agent and steals a bunch of data from Orcus. And Abigail Brand reveals that she's a double agent working for herself to leverage Krakoa and its enemies for power and control. Um, what'd you guys think of the double cross? And could we have had more double crosses? Kaylin? Uh, more double crosses. There can be n- never enough double crosses. Normally that would actually annoy me uh, to be serious, but with Brand, they set that up from the very first issue where she's like, I'm allying myself with Krakoa right now because it serves the interest that I'm trying to push. Um, as soon as like she was able to get like a quote unquote better offer or find a way to achieve her goals she, to make that switch to, to Orcus, I think is completely in line with her character and completely in line with what we know before. So um, I thought this series, while I wish it would keep going and I know it's going to turn into X-Men Red, um, is um, I think it ended really, really well. I enjoyed it a lot. It felt a little abrupt for me personally, but it's still a good issue and it's still a great series. So, um, yeah, I'm excited for the future. Uh, she really just fucking threw him out that airlock, though. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Get it. Peter Geyer is it. dead. He's a piece of shit. So who cares? Honestly, I don't, yeah. I don't feel bad yeah. for that. Yeah. I thought it was very interesting that she said, uh, you know, Henry I'm, I'm Karen, from Karen. space. My real name is whatever. But no one really asks or cares. Um, and I got these hot, hot hands. Well, it does make an, it makes, you know, for an interesting commentary on, you know, side characters or characters who don't always get as much attention that the way that they're written can often mean that they're, you know, ignored and it leaves more room for future writers to exploit that uh, in a way like this. Uh, any other thoughts on this? Uh, manifold, um, you know, he keeps asking from space and it keeps coming back. Uh, is there going to be any negative consequence to that? What would it look like? Clark? Oh, no, I didn't answer that. I was just, I just, I, I think I was a little not into the brand reveal just because she's like, I'm fine if all of Australia dies. I'm like, that is a very large millions and millions of people. It seems like the collateral damage is a little too extreme for what her character should be. Yeah, I mean, it was weird. Entire population of Hemsworths. Yeah, that'd be a tough loss. (laughs) (laughs) That's their most important export. Mm -hmm. Uh, Fashion look. What did you guys think of Cable's new arm? I mean, he's had his new arms off and on for years. It's nice. It's it's a little ravey. I like it. It's fun. It's cute. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Winter Soldier. Like they made a commentary. He looks exactly the fucking same. So give him an upgrade. Put some put some neon lights on there. Put a glow stick on it. I love it. Give him a Tron arm. Yeah, why not? The fuck are we doing? Okay. Uh, how about Wolverine number nineteen, which was written by Benjamin Percy and illustrated. How about by not Brent? Javier the Fernandez. Art was pretty. Yeah, uh, that was pretty. Just, just give us that one sentence. <laughs> I would love to, but I'm not going to. In fact, no. I'm just going to skip on. Nope. Whale, right. whale, Ice, whale. Iceman's New Year's resolution: Infinity by. Which was written and drawn by Luciano Vecchio. Vecchio. Uh, Bobby Iceman takes a moment for himself to reflect in New York in the last 10 seconds of the year, because if Bobby's anything, he's a procrastinator. But just as the ball is dropping and Bobby is getting a release from the year, he gets a snow job from the demon Ikthalen, who came by to get everyone's attention and tell Bobby he's stuck in one place. Bobby does some ice stuff and then thinks very quickly in a way that might have no lasting ramifications for him as a character. Mm-hmm. Um, 
what did you guys think about this? And what do you think that uh, any of his possible resolutions were? Because all he did was mention uh, his past. Then he made out with himself. He talked about his future. Yeah, he did make out with himself (laughs) at some point. He talked about what he's doing with Christian Frost for a hot second. Yeah, I feel like that was how my New Year's is going to end. So I felt a kinship. (laughs) Find a boyfriend, twin. (laughs) Oh, no. No, just me making out with the mirror. I do like how they literally (laughs) used a character that's already in the Marvel Universe who is um, ice-related and means he's like the symbol. He's a demonic uh, symbol for stagnation and resistance to change, as I'm reading. Like, literally, they're just like, (laughs) perfect. Let's take it. Just shoved it in there. Well, he wasn't too busy doing anything else. So. No. Uh, overall, I thought it was kind of fun. I liked the use of the sliding um, panel to k- do the follow the countdown of the clock. Um, but I don't know. Any other thoughts? No. Cool. All right. Let's move on to Timeless Number One, which was uh, written by Jed McKay. And I guess everyone uh, illustrated it. Uh, Timeless follows the historian, Dr. Anatoly Petrov, who uh, has slash will write a work highlighting the enormity of Dr. Doom, but is stopped by Kang the Conqueror, who wants to prove that he's the greatest villain to shape all of history. Kang is motivated across time by victory rather than justice or death. So he jumps from point to point, making sure he's checking off amazing feats rather than actually helping people like a billionaire in a little spaceship. Uh, another timeline, once thought destroyed, is trying to reconnect to the main timeline, but it's not being controlled by an alternate Dr. Doom. No, it's an alternate Reed Richards. Uh, Richards is uh, killed by Petrov and Kang. Might be more full, multifaceted than we uh, originally thought. Um, kind of working backwards, uh, what'd you think of this intersecting timeline idea and the old uh, time and reality stone eyes Reed Richards? Okay. Yeah. Uh, it gave me a lot of Jonathan Hickman's New Avengers with all the incursions that were happening in the various timelines. Um, I think uh, Jed McKay, he's been doing stuff for Marvel for the last couple of years now. He's someone definitely to watch. The guy's crazy talented because I really enjoyed this issue. And I just want to talk a little bit about the art for a second. Um, it was three different artists. It was Kev Walker, Greg Land, who I normally don't like, and Mark Bagley, who's competent, but like I, his work leaves me cold. Somehow the work all looked cohesive because I didn't even realize like there was different artists at a different time. You know, I think it was the colorists and the inkers like all made it all look really nice. So it's a very, it was a very good looking book. And it was a book I enjoyed a lot more than I thought I was going to because like we've read a bunch of these before these like sort of one shots that like set off like a domino effect of whatever's happening in Marvel the following year, the following couple of years. And the fact that it was a singular story rather than vignettes you know, featuring a bunch of different characters all work really well and fucking love Kang and Jed McKay wrote a very compelling Kang. It sounded like what Kang sounds like in my head. Yeah, I mean, um, Jed McKay did the last two years worth of Black uh, Black Cat, which was phenomenal and definitely is one of my top three comics of this year. Um, He likes to use the Infinity Stones, but use them in a very like not bombastically annoying way where it's just like look at him look at him look at him he just likes to play off of them and it's very interesting he did that for the last looking movie. at them by having them as your literal eyes yeah like no yeah. <laughs> well, look at them look at them look at them straight up murder them and they just look at me i am the doom now <laughs> here um kang was a big boy in this yeah he's, he's killing that, that 
that um fucking elephant. What the hell are they called? Woolly mammoth. He was very broad chested. Yeah, very, I like that panel. Very into uh, Kang. Okay, uh, so Marvel also teased a big reveal that Alan Moore's Miracle Man will be coming to the MCU. Uh, is this exciting? Is this weird? How do you feel? What do you feel? Anyone feel anything? Kalen? So about five years ago, DC did something called Rebirth, where they brought in, they teased that the Watchmen characters were coming back you know, and then coming into the main DC universe and or multiverse or whatever. And now Mar- I feel like Marvel is doing this again. And like, why are these big twos like basically mining the corpse of Alan Moore? I like Miracle Man a lot. Not maybe not as much as you did, Brent, but I do enjoy it. And I want to see Neil Gaiman finish his storyline because it was, you know, cut off, you know, kind of like halfway through uh, back in the uh, late 80s, early 90s. But Miracle Man in the Marvel universe doesn't work for me. It's got to be its own thing. He's it's it's he's got to be like one of the only super beings. It is about like what a uh, you know what like if a super being was actually on our Earth, what it would mean for the ramifications of you know politics, culture, everything. And him coming into a superhero universe is just it feels like it feels like the Century Redux a little bit. I was gonna say exactly never, that. Yeah, which which is which is which has never worked for me. So I'm 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 skeptical. I like the issue. But the reveal did leave me. I was like, eh. Yeah, I'm very trepidatious about it. But I do. They did buy what Miracle Man's rights. What like t- fucking almost ten years ago now. Yeah, and maybe more. It was such a big announcement. And they kept yeah. almost announcing that it was gonna. He was gonna come. He was gonna come. Maybe they've literally put so much thought into it. I don't believe it. But that they finally feel like they've got something that really works for it. But and he's gonna become a street that. level fighter. Yeah, why not? <laughs> it's really hard to have a, uh, introduce characters that are critical of the genre in a in an intentionally devastating way that uh, they're they're part of the genre that tries to embrace it. It's uh, almost hollow, craven, and uh, sad for the nature of art itself. Um, let's move on to Black Panther number two, which was written by John Ridley and illustrations by Juan Cabal. Uh, I'm going to read this as is. T'Challa decides to shut down the sleeper agent program to mixed reviews. Shuri investigates stage case more on her time. Kimura and family come under attack, but luckily help shows up. T'Challa stops the attack. We end the issue with more killers showing up for fight. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that's pretty much what happened. So what did you guys think? Can you uh, please read uh, the questions? The yeah. third question is, who uh, is all of these mass murderers? <laughs> <laughs> are the Avengers involved? Who is are these mass murderers? <laughs> I felt this late. <laughs> uh, it's, it's that, those questions are actually better written than the issue. Uh, uh, but um, here is my, I like the new status quo, and I'm the one kind of uh, pushing this on podcast to read and review it. I generally like John Ridley. I love Juan Cabal's art and Black Panther is one of my favorite characters. I think this is going to give me one of those books that reads better in trade than it does by issue by issue. Uh, and I think issue two clearly showed that because it didn't give me anything more than what we got in the first issue. So it's felt very decompressed. I'm just waiting till the third issue where we're going to have him interacting with Storm. That cover looks amazing by Alex Ross. Please let you know the interior like live up to the promise of the cover but I'm worried that it, the series is too decompressed. 
Uh, what was Sherry doing when she investigates Stage Case? I don't know. I reread that shit. I have no idea. What was she? She was what? just driving in her car. She was pretending. That was just a Tesla. Else, right? She was just in her Tesla. This bullshit. Um, it. I I don't guess I don't know Georgetown well enough. Are there like super neighborhoody like you know big backyard parts of like Georgetown or is that just yeah, there are. They're very, very expensive. Yeah. Super expensive, like multi-million dollar homes. But well, yeah. she's, she's living it right. That did not look... That was a fucking McMansion. If he wasn't even that, they showed the house from the front. That was shit. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't exist. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you, Kaylin, on... It just doesn't feel like there's a lot of momentum. It, d- it definitely needs other side issues for it. I'm excited um, to drop it before, after issue three. Well, I don't want it to become like Immortal Hulk where we're reading it, we read an issue, yes. we think, ah, this is dog shit. And then we come back three months later and go, well, yeah, we're reading three we're issues doing? though. Okay. Well, fine. Sure. <laughs> Maybe then in nine years we'll come back and go, this was actually great. All right. Uh, Anyways, let's do some news now. Do you want to make some sound? Clark Scott poop. He's going to throw it in your face. Right, this, week, this week, Marvel dropped multiple teasers for the state of the X-Books in 2022. First up was Judgment Day, um, which seems, based on the Twitter um, little video, uh, this is going to be an X-Men, Avengers, Eternal Brawl. Um, and are you interested? I don't know yet. Is it going to be like a fucked up Avengers versus X-Men situation or an Inhumans versus X-Men situation? Uh, Kalen, I'm going to ask you what's going on. Well, I mean, Kieran Gillen's going to be writing it because he's currently writing um, Eternals, and he's going to be, you know, taking over Immortal X Men, which is the um, Quiet Council book. Um, this version of Avengers hasn't interested me at all. Like Jason's nope. Aaron run has just been complete, like utter nonsense. It's just it's boring as fuck. Um, I Marvel loves doing this because they did so well with the first Civil War, and you know, to a lesser degree with Avengers versus X Men a few years later, they love like we're going to do this massive crossover where hero versus hero. And it's like, it could be great, but I'm not terribly excited for it on just from the previews. And if they call it judgment day, I swear to God, I'm going to be like, I'm going to fucking kill somebody. Cause it's such a basic ass, boring title. Brent. It's definitely a boring ass title. Um, and these kind of things can easily go sideways as far as a, justification and premise goes for the kind of unchecked power the x-men have been you know exuding in the galaxy or the solar system i think that's a pretty good reason for the avengers to at least be involved in some capacity and for them to have some serious issues that actually erupt in conflict but what i really want is for after you know all the turmoil that we're kind of going through now with inferno and stuff that the x-men still are able to make a giant fucking fist and punch the Avengers into the ground and uh, reestablish themselves as the dominant force in our solar system. And then the consequences come from whatever empire that we've got. Ryan. I think it was implied that like, maybe it's going to be Avengers and X-Men versus the Eternals, which yeah. yeah. uh, The Avengers should team up with the Eternals against the X-Men to your point, Brent, because they're way too fucking powerful. Omega levels are just fucking Eternals, basically. They're immortal. They can fucking do anything. They they have, they're beautiful. 
Um, like, I don't, it's the same fucking thing. I don't know. What are we even doing at this point? I mean, I'm, I'm happy that it's not going to be that. I mentioned that for, as I said, Avengers versus X-Men and Humans versus X-Men was the time that they basically hated the playing use the X-Men because they didn't own, own it because Fox owned it. Now they have Fox. Hopefully the, the X-Men won't be like shat on in like both cases before. Yeah. Kalen. This is going to be deal with some celestial shit because if you remember in Gillen's uh, Uncanny X-Men run with the Extinction level team, they had one of the Celestials. Was it, I, I couldn't remember if it was Arshem or it was one of the other ones who was sort of there as like, you know, a major, like a plot point in that. So they're, they're definitely going to like bring that in. And I can see a scenario where you've got, um, you know, what are remaining Eternals uh, with their crazy ass life cycle and, um, you know, the Celestials kind of coming in to like sort of disrupt whatever's happening in, on Earth and the solar system. And so... Uh, the Avengers and the X-Men, they've got to put aside their differences and take I mean, on an I even mean, bigger threat. The Avengers are literally, they're they are working out of a giant celestial at the moment. That's true. That's a very good All point. Right. So on the heels of Trial of Magneto number five, as we saw, uh, revealed the resurrection of the original Thunderbird. And he's getting his own giant-sized issue in a new condom. Condom? <laughs> 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 Costume. That was pretty awful, and I loved it. All right. Yeah, he refuses to use it, though. <laughs> Sounds like him. Brent. Uh, this, so the costume, I think, uh, worries me because, or at least the cover look, has a very 90s ultra macho kill, kill, kill vibe. And it seems like the promise of Krakoa is like the ability to change or be something different. And this makes me feel like they want to pick up basically from exactly where he left off and just have this, you know, reductive character. My other bigger concern, though, is that um, the cover, which is by Ken Lashley, um, is that he doesn't know how to draw feet and had to find a very creative reason why Uh there's no feet in this, because one of his legs is so far behind his body that it looks like he's missing his leg. And the other foot is buried in the ground, um, which just looks bizarre. But I know he's not, you know, illustrating. I just Kaylin, can you tie that into what he's saying based on someone we knew an artist in the past? Yes, yeah, so you. Ken Lashley definitely comes in from the school of Rob Layfield. He was a big 90s Marvel artist. Some of the stuff was clearly better than Layfield, but the cover annoys me because they're trying to get like those like fanboys, fangirls who love that shit. But the new costume, which I was a little iffy on, but the more I look at it, the more I kind of like it um i've seen some like different illustrations and like when his hood is up it looks actually really cool um and so i don't know why they didn't do something that like just seemed less like less 90s because i mean thunderbird hasn't existed since 1975 1976 you know so i don't understand why they did that um i am looking for this one shot because it's co-written by uh steve orlando who we dig and he's going to be the new writer for marauders and it's um i can't remember the other writer's name but i believe she is uh, american indian uh, and so they're really like, trying to like, um, you know, get people who uh, are from that those communities actually writing, you know, people from from uh, their own community. So I think that's actually really cool. I, I do. I, I have two things to say. One is I don't think it was a double entendre when I said co- uh, condom because it, right before I say giant size. So I think that makes sense. Uh, sure. Number two, um, as I write here, that he, the 
Thunderbird's been dead for ages and was resurrected for a moment during Chaos War as a functional, not living character, but character that actually had agency and talked and stuff. And he and Sophie Cuckoo, who also had died at that point, had some really fucked up, creepy, underage flirtation kind of thing going on. And, you know, we saw Destiny just give those warnings to the Cuckoo as like, Cuckoo's is like, what's going to happen to all of them? And two of them were going to, as I wrote, are going to end up getting banged by somebody. Do you think one of them will be this creepy, gross Sophie Thunderbird? Or are they just going to keep going with a, oh, no, they can't do that. They also can't do the one with Cable either. Cable's suddenly an old man. He can't get with Esme or whatever. Oh, I don't want any of these. I think they're going to disregard it, Clark. No, they're not going to be like, let's get some weird underage um, grossness. <laughs> no, how do we always end up back here? <laughs> hey, you know what? Because X Men are fucked up. Their sexual yeah. stuff is strange. All right, that's All right, true. Anyway, Jordan White has released a few pieces of art from an upcoming uh, some some upcoming series upcoming upcoming series, um, including some two that have not been announced yet. Uh, anyways, one picture has Professor Xavier overlooking five individuals shrouded in black, the group in chains, and one woman, I'm assuming, um, has a very high ponytail. And I'm trying to think who the fuck has a high ponytail in X-Men comics that this could be. And also, who the fuck do you think these five people are? I think the ponytail looks like Gideon, one of the externals. Okay, and wasn't, yeah. wasn't um, you know, when Apocalypse... Woman. When, when that's true, when Apocalypse killed all the externals to create the external gate, I think Gideon got away in that issue of Excalibur, the one that was like uh, the prelude for Ten of Swords. Yeah. Yeah. There, but this is more than what who got away. I think only yeah, maybe true. three, including Celine or something, got away. Or not got away, yeah. were allowed to because they fought him. Yeah. All right, anyways, the uh, other one, and I just want to bring it up because I want to bring it up, is that um, in the other, one of the other panels, we see Darkstar. We have, we've seen and the Avengers a lot because they're going up against Avengers versus Atlantis versus the Winter Guard from Russia like all the time. They showed up, they had their own miniseries when they are fighting against Yelena and for some reason the Vampire Nation, all this kind of stuff. Um, we've seen Russia going up against X-Force quite a bit. Do you think this is going to come into play or is this just like they wanted a cool or an interesting um, mutant to show up and that's all this is? Well, it seems like they're moving away from the some of the geopolitics they were really doing before and it's starting to become more one-off characters rather than, you know, it might just be some off-group rather than, you know. I'm fine Russia. with it. Just like her I being actually- I do think Russia is going to come into play just because of the way that like the UK has come into play so much with Excalibur and will could very likely in Knights of X or Knights of 10, whatever it ends up being called. Um, at least I hope, I hope they keep the geopolitics part of it. I mean, they're going to have some stuff related to X-Force in Russia or related to X-Men, um, whatever in Russia, what the hell is it called? Um, Immortal X-Men, since he's going to be part of the Quiet Council now. Quiet Council, right. Um. The only other thing I had that was not X-Men news is that suddenly a rumor has shown up uh, that Sony is going to be working on an Emma Stone-led Spider-Gwen movie. So Spider-Gwen was from an alternate universe. She was a rock drummer and part-time superhero who has now become part of the 616 universe and hangs out and dates Miles Morales, who's 10 years younger than Peter Parker. So I don't know how they're going to have Emma Stone playing this character when she was doing the same with whatchamacallit before. I mean, Emma Stone was probably the best part of the Andrew Garfield Spider-Man uh, movies because she really can just monologue, hold her own, be funny, dramatic. Um, she looks right for the part. 
is very charismatic. I think it'd be great uh, if they did this. I mean, if they just embrace doing one-offs or, hey, we're just doing this random storyline uh, even better, if they try and like ground it and attach it to other stuff, which I'm worried that they do, it will uh, be possibly worse, but you know, Kaylin. they, they want to make money. Sorry. I, I, I just think it's, I just think it's one of those rumors that's out there. Um, you know, I think clearly um, no way home has done really well for Sony and Marvel. Um, everybody is now like, you know, has like historical revisionism of like, they actually liked mm-hmm. the amazing Spider-Man movies. They're dog shit. They're not good movies. It's just Andrew Garfield is very charming. And so is Emma Stone. Emma Stone's not going to come back to do this. I'm sorry. It's just, I, like I, I mean, I've been wrong before, and I'll be—I could be wrong about this. I just think this is one of those things where it's like, wouldn't it be cool if we actually, you know, found a, another, you know, multiversal Gwen Stacy who's there, and then we can get her to interact with, with the Andrew Garfield Spider-Man. Yeah. I don't know. Literally, I don't think it's going to happen. Reason, the only reason this is showing up is because how universally loved andrew garfield's turn in the most recent movie was and they're just kind of grasping at straws and they want him together with somebody and it has to be her even though the two uh they're they're not gonna they don't want to act against each other probably more those people broke up fucking eight years ago hold on i'm seeing something here it says this rumor was started by emma stone what well sure yeah i thought you were gonna say by ryan crow and he's not even here to defend himself (laughs) <laughs> he left. He yeah. did not want to be. Um, yeah. All right. Oh, Clark's done. Do 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 do. All right. Uh, let's do. <laughs> we we don't have any closers. It's still a problem. <laughs> I just it's a very that was a very Super Mario noise. By the way. Do 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 do. Yeah. Uh, let's do great. our last segment. Uh, plug my stockings, Daddy. A holiday special. Um, did y'all get any good presents this year? Did you give any good ones? Um, Caitlin. So I definitely got some good ones, but it was like a gift card to a comic store um, in Houston when I went to go visit my parents. And I found two out of print hardcovers, which I actually posted on our Instagram um, and Twitter. Uh, one was um, the uh, long shot miniseries by Anna Senti and Arthur Adams. Uh, like you can, you know, find it obviously on, you know, uh, Marvel Unlimited and Comixology and other digital places, but that hardback uh, was like part of a like a Marvel like premiere series that's been at long out of print. And I was able to get it for cover price, so I was really happy about that with the gift card. And the other thing is Alan Davis's um, Marvel series in the '90s called The Clandestine, uh, which was really bonkers and just Weird like very very British. Uh, and it's been long out of print, and I don't think those issues are on Marvel Limited unless someone can correct me because I think there are some rights issues because I think Alan Davis co-owns or completely owns those characters uh, but um, it's beautiful art and you know all that and then as far as giving gifts so I got my parents an Amazon Fire Stick because that's what they asked for like I was like guys tell me what you want otherwise I will just buy you something and you won't use it they're so happy the reason they do it uh, uh, as folks know I'm South Asian my parents are from India I'm from India they got it because they wanted to stream a new Indian channel that like they've created an app for everything. So we hooked it up on Christmas. It's all there. And then we, they start streaming the app and it completely, it blips out every two minutes because the app fucking sucks. It is Great. badly designed. Perfect. So my mom's like, I don't want to watch this. I'm not going to watch this. My dad's annoyed. And then they're never going to use this gift because that's the reason that they got it. 
So, uh, so now it's an Amazon set it on fire. Yeah, basically. Yeah. So I thought um, when I got something, I, everything I got, I got my parents to give to me because they don't ever know what the fuck to get me. Cause they, I always, they always buy me something fucked up, wrong sides, et cetera, et cetera. Anyways. So one thing I got was a, what I thought was going to be like, maybe like a 10 inch figure, but instead it was like a fucking 20 inch giant. <laughs> Donald, <laughs> my favorite ride at Disney world. It's a, it's a, it's a foot tall Donald duck. Wearing no, he's not a, a foot tall. Foot tall would be here. This is like an 18 inch tall little fucker. Um, anyway, it's um, it's a uh, from the Disney Vault, treasure from the Disney Vault character um, from Donald Mexican Donald from Three Caballeros, which is my favorite ride in Disney World because you get really drunk on it and just do whatever you want to do. But anyways, I'm very excited with it. It's got its little like certificate of authentication stuff. I don't know. It's dumb yeah. and I love it. And I have nothing to do with it. Where am I going to put this shit? It's just going to stay up here. But I'm very happy I own it. Um, also, I got my, my mom like a air fryer slash oven slash rotisserie slash whatever one of those fucking things because um, one of our burners is broken on the stove and then the oven is fucked up. So I don't have $6,000, but here's something and it's working very well. That's nice. So I got a gift for myself, which was uh, the my, one of my prior Plug Me Daddies, the sweaters from Merchoid. Um, and it finally came and it's fantastic. It's really comfortable and it's actually uh, knit rather than some print sweater pattern. So I highly recommend Merchoid. Uh, it's worth the price. Kaylin? Have you uh, ever seen the movie The Three Amigos with Steve Martin yeah. and Chevy Chase? Yeah, yeah. sure. Uh, so one of my favorite moments is the bad guy, El Wapo. It's his birthday. And like his men have all got me a, a gift. And this is taking place in, you know, in Mexico. And uh, it's like hot as balls. It's in the desert. And he opens up the thing and there he's like, a sweater. You got me a sweater. And it's like <laughs> 99 degrees outside. So you pulling up that sweater was very El Wapo and Three Amigos. I well, loved it. So the other gift that I got that I don't know what to do with was from my husband because... Um, well, let me just show you what it is. It's a divorce that you just file it. <laughs> um, he got me this uh, uh, 16-inch tall uh, Grogu. Grogu, or as Caitlin pronounces it, Gurgro, uh, <laughs> Baby Yoda. And as you can tell, it's got some dollars in its pockets. It's dollars oh, in its hands. It's gorgeous. Um, so... We always it, joke wait, about, how, about how Grogu is uh, really just a money bag for Disney. He created this character totally. called McDollar Signs. I thought Grogu. <laughs> I thought I thought maybe it's Grogu is like like uh like uh, one of those like dancing boys like at a at a club. I assume like, he was he's got dollar bills in there. I yeah. would watch. Would go go boys. Go go boys. Yeah. No, his other name is Shameless Cash boys. Grab. <laughs> yeah. Um. So uh, if it's not tacky. Ryan, if you would like this, I would I could, love it. It's yours. I would love um, it. Can I just have the, I, can I have the five dollars? No. I was gonna say Tristan made me is making me give them him back the money. I love that Gorgo. He originally wanted to just give me like three ones, but he only had these denominations. So he had to give me is, more did, than he wanted. Did he ask for did, two back? Yeah. <laughs> did he give this to you as a gag gift? Yeah. Okay. Um, 
old oh, money bags I here. I don't get the joke, but okay. <laughs> Hold on. Uh, do you want me to make some change? Let me get my Grogu out and uh, get you a couple dollars. <laughs> uh, Ryan, did you get or give any great gifts this you year? You know, I didn't give any good gifts, but I did receive um, a Grogu. <laughs> a Grogu. I just got one now. Um, uh, no, I got a massage gun for like your back and gun. Uh, like you know like yeah. it's got like the different like, not, like things you can screw on and it like it just hammers your back uh, and it looks like a little okay. um yeah. and it while a great gift and it does really help i would say me going through tsa with that was very interesting because you did like people will stop you at all times if you're just carrying that gun without any of the attachments on it so that was fun <laughs> to try to do that Especially, especially in Florida, which I was finding shocking that anyone anyone was shocked by this. You know, yeah, they actually they actually gave you a second gun. To They're put like, that's not a gun. Yeah, they gave him a Desert Eagle. They're like, "Where's the scope on that thing?" And I was like, "Um, what?" <laughs> yeah, that was a great gift, though. All right. Well, uh, with nothing else, um, that's been our episode. You can find us on Twitter at Homo Superior X and Instagram at Homo Superior Podcast. Uh, rate and review if you like us. We will be back next year with more Bar Sinister, more episodes, probably more Vicky and Kiana, and maybe some other bits. Who knows? Um, we've been Homo Superior, and uh, happy 2021, if you could possibly have had that. And we love you, and uh, we'll catch you next year. Bye. Bye. Bye-bye.